Good morning again. Happy to see your smiling faces out here. And uh, not that everyone else isn't welcome or appreciated, but we're glad to see Jan back. Praise the Lord for prayers answered for her safe return. Let her out of prison and she's... <laughs> I'm just kidding, Jan. Jan's been in Virginia with her parents. So continue to pray for your dad, Jan, and your whole family. <clears throat> well, Stephanie likes to uh, make me cry before I have to preach. <laughs> it's, it's hard on an old soldier, especially a combat soldier, to see stuff like that. But today we're going to turn our attention to the book of Colossians. This is, I think, the fourth installment on Colossians, and we're going to be looking at chapter 3, starting in verses 18, and we're going to read through verse 1 of chapter 4. If y'all ready, here we go. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong that he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Praise be the word of God. Let's go to the Lord and... Prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come again today before you, uh, proclaiming your word, doing our best to understand. I pray that you would give us uh, enlightenment, understanding, discernment, Lord God, that we might serve you better, that we might be better examples and witnesses for you in this life. In Christ's name, amen. Now today we're going to look at relationships. Specifically, we're going to look at husbands and wives. We're going to be looking at children and parents and bosses and employees. You might think, well, well, there's no bosses or employees in the Bible, but there is because you look at, you know, slaves or bond servants and masters, and that's where we're going. Now, relationship, that relationships, that's the name of the, the sermon. Have you ever thought about the concept that God is, by his very nature, a relationship. You ever thought about that? God presents himself to us or as a unity of three. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's a relationship. God is a relationship. When Jesus was here on earth, he did nothing apart from his Father. Nothing. His very Uh, existence was defined by his relationship to God the Father. 
When we think of it that way, we should not be surprised to know that God created us for relationships as well. Not just a relationship with Him, but relationships with others. God cares about our relationship with Him. He cares about our relationship with other people. In fact, we can see uh, Jesus Christ through the way we relate to each other. The way that you relate to one another, the way that you relate to your, your spouse, or the way that you relate to your, your boss or your other workers, the, the way you relate to anybody you meet. Are they seeing Christ through you? The way you act? The way you treat them? Your relationship's important. How you treat other people. In Colossians, Paul gives us some very practical advice about our most basic human relationships. Husbands and wives. Parents and children. Bosses and employees. The text that I read today sounds familiar to most of you. Most of you have probably heard that many times, especially if you're, uh, you've been a Christian for any time at all or you've been in church. Now I'll tell you, I always thought it was common sense that husbands should love their wives. I always thought it was common sense that fathers should not be harsh to their children. I always thought it was common sense that employers should treat their employees fairly and kindly and with respect. Unfortunately, not everybody feels that way. Not everybody sees it that way. But these instructions to do it, like Paul said do it, was revolutionary in Paul's day. The Roman culture of the first century was like any other culture uh, of that day. And by Roman law, the man that had a wife and, a, and children and slaves had total power over them, even unto death. Believe it or not. He could do anything he wanted with no legal recourse. Wives, children, and slaves had all the obligation. Husbands, fathers, and masters held all the power. Now you can't call that white privilege because there was a lot of people that were not white having the same, doing the same thing. Everybody of every color. It didn't matter. That's the way the world ethics worked back then. The first century. And in too many places today, that's still the way the world system works. Now Stan is a a chess master. And there is a young lady who has refused to go to Saudi Arabia. She is truly a chess master and would probably win that uh, or have a good chance of winning that entire thing, which would be considerable amount of money for her. And it's being held in Saudi Arabia. But she was told that she had to dress a certain way and she had to talk a certain way and that she couldn't leave her hotel room basically without a male escort. And she said, no, thank you. So in many ways, the world ethic hasn't changed, has it? Jesus introduced an entirely new ethic to the world. Something totally new. The Christian ethic. 
And the Christian ethic can be called a reciprocal obligation. We're going to un unpack that a little bit. You can see what I'm talking about. It can also be called, and this has been called, the Christian worldview. And if you're a Christian, you should have a Christian worldview, not a world worldview. Not an ungodly worldview. A worldview dictated by what's in the Holy Scriptures. Not what some woke person decided you should be thinking. So i got to tell you, friends, if it is contrary to the Holy Word, the Holy Scriptures, it is false and a lie from Satan. Now, instead of exerting power over the other person... The one in authority is responsible. Now here's Jesus for what? For lifting up the other person. Not for lording over the other person. You see the difference? This is a servant relation. A servant leader relationship. Let's take some time to look at how the Christian ethic works. You know, when I said servant leader, I'm, talking, I'm not talking about the servant and the leader. I'm talking about the leader as a servant to those who he's leading or, she, or whoever she's leading. In Colossians uh, 3, 18 and 19, Paul focuses on the relationship between husbands and wives. Now I'm going to give you some statistics and it's not going to shock you, I'm sure, if you're been awake, and I don't mean woke, but you're, <laughs> you've been paying attention to anything that's going on in the world, this is not, these statistics are not going to shock you. It's disturbing to see, for me personally, it's very disturbing to see how our culture has changed in my lifetime. Things that are going on, I would have never believed it would happen in the United States of America. I would never believe that Christians in the United States of America would be prosecuted and persecuted and put upon the way they are today. Now, we got it easy. You ought to go to Australia or Canada. It's not good. Let me give you some statistics about marriage, since we're talking about husbands and wives. The number of cohabitating unmarried partners increased tenfold between 1960 and 2000. Tenfold. And if anybody wants to know where I got the statistics, see me later, I'll give you where I got them. The number of cohab cohabitating unmarried partners increased by 88% from 1990 to 2007. It's gaining speed, folks. It's like a runaway train. A recent Gallup poll reported that 75%, now this includes people who go to church. I'm not saying Christians. 75% of Americans find nothing wrong with premarital sex. 60% say that living together is a good idea. I say that's a recent poll. That poll is probably about five or six years old. And here's something that I just... Couldn't, it was jaw-dropping when I read this one. 57%, get that number, 57% of millennial mothers are single moms who have never been married. 
57%. That's a generation being lost, folks, and we should be uh, concerned about that at the minimum. In 1960, less than 0.3, in other words, three-tenths of 1% lived with a mother who had never been married. By 2012, that was 12%. In 2007, 39.7% of all births were to unmarried women. And it's worse today than it was in 2007. In 2010, unmarried households were 45% of U.S. households. Now, I heard something on uh, one of the news programs. I, I can't verify it, but they said it was 50% now. 50%. I'm going to stay with 45% because I can, not that I necessarily trust the U.S. Census Bureau, but that's uh, at least they did try to get it right. It's no wonder that our society is in trouble. It's no wonder the world's in trouble. And by the way, these numbers match. We're lagging just a little behind, just a little behind the West, other Western civilizations. The West is going down in flames. And it's all planned. Every study I've heard shows the disintegration of marriage has weakened our culture in numerous, numerous ways. <clears throat> Unfortunately, marriage people uh, that claim to be Christians or churchgoers at least, they said churchgoers in the study, not necessarily Christians, but people who are members of churches, these numbers don't change very much. Not much. A little better, but not much. But I'll tell you one thing. It's not because God's plan for marriage is faulty. It is not God's fault. Amen. Our problem comes uh, because we either don't know God's plan for marriage. I'm speaking of those who are doing these things. Or because we don't care. I know what it is. I don't care. I'm not going to follow it. I know the speed limit's 70. I'm going to drive 75 because I don't care. I think I can get by with it. That's the mentality. Now, these two short verses in Colossians could solve most of marriage problems today if, uh, if they were followed. Verses 18 and 19. Wives, submit to your husbands. As is fitting in the Lord, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. <clears throat> you see, I want you to notice that's a reciprocal obligation. A reciprocal obligation it's, uh, that's instructed here. The key word for the wife is submission. The key word for the husband is love. Now we're going to go uh, look at those a little closer. Now in the World ethic, submission means demand or demanded. It's demanded. You will submit to me and I will, I will beat you until you do. But the Greek word that Paul used here is a what they call a middle voice, which means it's a voluntary submission. Amen. Voluntary submission. It literally means, you know, I'm 
retired military guy, so I have to put everything as much as possible in military terms. So here you go. When I read this, I'm like, aha, I got it. It literally means to arrange under rank. It refers to chain of command. You see, I got to, had to work that military thing in there a little bit. Chain of command, as when someone volunteer, volunteers for military duty and places themselves under military authority. I want to make sure that you get this straight. I want you to understand this one point if you don't get anything else. Biblical submission has nothing to do with inferiority or subservience. You got that? Write it down. It is simply God's plan for organizing the family. He knows what works. He knows what works. Why does he know what works? Because he invented it. He thought it up. It works. So, we need to follow God's plan. You know, things don't work well if it's not organized. Look at the universe. The universe, God's got it all organized. Everything's working good. The earth keeps spinning. We keep staying on it. Organization. See, God created this world, but He didn't bring organization to it. He built organization into it when He created it. After all, God invented the whole concept of family. Why shouldn't He know how it works? I know I'm repeating myself, but it's worth repeating. Any organization needs a chain of command in order to run smooth. And according to Scripture, a marriage works best when a wife submits to the husband and the husband loves his wife. That's how it works. The Greek word used to describe the husband's love for his wife here is agape, which is a self-sacrificing love, agape love. In marriage, leadership, I want you to get this, men, Leadership does not mean dictatorship. Thank you. You're not a dictator. You're to serve your wife and love your wife. Now, I know men that sometimes we don't always get it right the first time. We get a redo and our wives are usually pretty, uh, pretty understanding about giving us a redo. You know, can I have a redo on that? Before that? <laughs> can you imagine, Paul thinking to himself, you know, I've already told these men to love their wives, but that might not have been clear enough. That might have been too subtle for some of these thick-skulled husbands. These guys might not get the point. So Paul goes on and says, in other words, dudes, listen up. Do not be harsh with your wives. You realize I'm paraphrasing, right? Well, I've looked all over the Bible. I've seen things that said dudes, but... Do not be harsh with your wives. The agape kind of love that Paul is talking about will never be rough or demanding. Thank you. I'm not saying you can't ask for things. And there are some things that you do demand, but that's in a different aspect completely. It's a love that wants to give, protect, and provide. 
If you love your wife the way you're supposed to, you want to give her everything that you can. You want to protect her from anything or anybody that would hurt her. And you want to provide for her what she needs as well as as much as you can what she wants. Some things she wants might not be good for her. You don't need that 10 carat diamond ring. You just get caught when you know, you'll lose it washing the dishes. <laughs> Stephanie says, oh yeah, I'll just take it off when I'm washing the dishes. <laughs> Give it here. <laughs> now this kind of love is much stronger than romantic or affectionate love. Much stronger. It doesn't, doesn't even compare. Agape love is a decision of the will. It's a decision of the will. If you've ever heard one say, someone say, <clears throat> some, some guy say, well, I don't, I don't love her anymore. I'm going to divorce her. I don't love her. You will know immediately that they don't have the kind of love that God requires for a husband to have for his wife. And guess what? They never had it. They never had it in the beginning. Or they would still have it. It's not the kind of love that you can fall into or fall out of. Husbands, God tells you to love your wife with an enduring, sacrificing, never give up kind of love. Never give up. Never surrender. That's what God tells you how to love your wife. Sacrificing, what does that mean? That means willing to sacrifice your very life to protect her, if necessary. If you love that way, your wife will have no problem holding up her end of the bargain. Or shouldn't, unless something's really bad wrong with her. (laughs) Very few people uh, would mind submitting... To this kind of loving, self-sacrificing leader. Amen. When I was a leader in the military, I loved my troops. I was willing to sacrifice for my men. And often did sacrifice many things for their health and welfare. That doesn't make me perfect and I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that's the kind of leader, regardless of where you are. We're talking about man and woman right now, but anytime. You're over someone. We'll get to that later. Notice the motive that Paul gives. Here it is. He says, remember he's talking to Christians. This is fitting in the Lord. There you go. Use the trump card. God said so. There, oh, it's fitting in the Lord. I guess I got to do it. Wouldn't it be that... Great if it was that simple. Jesus is our example of both submission and agape love. Do you realize that? He did both sides of that equation for us, for you and me. There's no, re- there's no way that any of us can build that kind of a marriage without His help. His, who's Jesus? That's who. Without God's help. We don't have it in us. There is none good. No, not one. Not even your pastor. Let me rephrase that. Especially your pastor. 
we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to live out uh, the Jesus kind of submission and love in our homes. That's who gives us the strength to do that. When a couple builds their marriage on this uh, uh, kind of love, the world will take notice. Why? Because it's rare. I read you the statistics. It's a rare commodity these days. And folks, that's how the world sees Jesus in our homes is by displaying what he said here. The submissiveness and the love, the sacrificial love. Now, next, Paul moves on to relationships between children and parents. All right, children, listen up. You too, parents. So we're, here we go. Verse, verses 20 and 21. <clears throat> children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. See, that's, that's, some, that's some instruction for both of us. Now, all right, moms, just because they didn't say moms and dads don't provoke, that includes you. Okay? The Greek word, and I'm not going to, it's on the word, it's on the screen there, I think, uh, used for obey. Obey. This is, it means an act of, more than an act of obedience, it's an attitude of obedience. The Greek word used means an attitude of obedience. The word indicates habitual, voluntary action. Habitual, voluntary action. That's what it means. And again, the motive is not just to please the parents, but to do what? To please God. Please the Lord. Everything that we're supposed to be doing is supposed to be pleasing the Lord. Believe me, we fall woefully short of that on a daily basis. At least I do. Some of you may be perfect, but I'm not. The problem comes when a young person decides, well, I'm going to 